So Jennifer, this time of year, we have all been in a situation where we received a gift and we're so thankful and so appreciative, but we might not have liked it a whole lot. (laughs) One year, they had this tigger and you pressed it down on the top and it would bounce. It was a bouncing tigger and you couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, yes. Right? So our best friends found it for Grayson and they were so excited and they come out into the living room and they're like, open this. And we're all standing around waiting for him to get this toy. He doesn't know everybody in the world was looking for. So he gets it out. He loves the Tigger. They press the head down. And the minute that Tigger bounces, he screams a blood curdling scream and runs down the hallway and shuts the door of his room. Like he is never coming out if that thing remains in our living room. Gosh, that is how disappointing. They went to 10 stores. Like they were so excited. They didn't have any kids yet. They were just so excited that they found it. And it was not the reaction they were looking for. So today we're talking about what to do if your toddler doesn't like the present they just opened. And I think that's so important because, you know, we carry that, right, Jennifer? We like, you know, oh my gosh, we take responsibility for every reaction of our toddler who, you know, gets mad because they put the wrong sock on. I mean, so it's, <laughs> right. we have to kind of have some things in our back pocket, I think, to help should those awkward situations happen, and they will. Well, and I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head there. A, we don't have to feel responsible for all of our toddler's reactions, especially when it's different circumstances and people and there's so much extra stimulation. So it's great to be able to say that. Like this environment is just so stimulating right now. They'll take that out and play with it later, I'm sure. But separating yourself and your value from your child's reaction, even in that moment where people are watching and have expectations. It's difficult, but it's so powerful and helps you enjoy the holidays more. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. (laughs) There is a lot of Moms on Call information in the world. We have books, we have apps, we have online courses, we have our website. Now we have this podcast, but sometimes you have a question that you just can't find the answer to, something that's unique to your situation. We are happy to help you. Leave us a message at 888-234-7979, and we will try to answer as many questions as we can here on the Mom's On Call podcast. Hi, ladies. My name is Danielle, and I have the cutest three-and-a-half-year-old and a a sweet new eight-month-old. And the three-and-a-half-year-old goes to school at the eight-month-old's nap time. So drop-off is 9 a.m., right in the middle of that nap. 
and pick up is at one o'clock right in the middle of the second nap. And I've done everything I can to move his naps and he won't budge. And he falls asleep in the car, which leads to a short nap and a nightmare evening. We've tried rolling the windows down and yelling and banging and nothing seems to work. Oh, help. Danielle, first of all, we would like to (laughs) congratulate you on all of these efforts that you've made, Laura and I have made, parents all over the world have made to try and do the impossible, which is have a baby that is tucked into a five-point restraint in that car seat, not fall asleep to the hum of the engine of that car. So we have another option for you, and we're going to help you to be able (laughs) to Enjoy the eight-month-old naps as best we can with your cutest in the whole world, three-and-a-half-year-old. And what we want to try to do and what we always say is when you get back home from drop-off or pick-up, if there's more than half the nap left, get them in, get them out of the car seat, and go straight to their crib for that nap time uh, of whatever's left. And try to give them that opportunity to play, cry, or go back to sleep for another 45 minutes to an hour. So if there's more than half the nap left, get them up and attempt to get at least two times in their nap, if at all possible. And you can also move that evening routine a little bit earlier, especially when they're not napping as well. And remember, if they do fall asleep, like let's say you transfer them into their bed and they fall asleep like after a half an hour, we're not looking for total nap hours. We're looking for timing. So sometimes you're going to have to wake that kid up from the time the nap time started, not the actual time they fell asleep, just to kind of keep on schedule. So we're not going to just like shift everything back. The second half of that nap may end up being just 15 minutes of sleep. And that helps you to keep on schedule So it sets their little 24-hour clock. And when you make that the regular routine and they get used to how that works every time, we'll find that they'll usually sleep more than they'll cry or play. If you are on Instagram, we have an account there. It is at Moms on Call. We share a lot of parenting information, a lot of tips, a lot of videos, and we also check the messages in there to find questions to include on the Moms on Call podcast. If you are on Instagram and you have a parenting question, send us a message. Before we record every episode of this podcast, we have a look at our messages, and some of those questions make it on this show. All right, here's a dad question. Dad question. We love the dads. Okay. Oh, I really love this question. Can I get your book? on Audible and listen to it in the car. Yay, dads and moms do it too. So I can be on the same page with all this great stuff. First of all, you are our hero. We love that you want to be on the same page with all this great stuff. Secondly, it is not easy to read your own words that you wrote. (laughs) How long did that take us, Laura? Oh, I think it took us 22 hours to 
read all three books, but it took us like three years to get, to get there. I think it was just, oh my gosh, but it is so hard to sit there and try and, and read it and stay the same speed. So Dad, the answer to your question is yes, yes, yes. It is available in Audible. All three books are available now. Go get them. But one of the tips that I'm going to give right now, and I don't know if you realized it because, you know, only listen to the Audible book for like two seconds once we got a copy of it. But there's a little speed button on the bottom. So you can speed it up a little bit faster. It was perfect. So play around <laughs> with the speed because I was like, oh, this is brilliant. I could get through it in like... In no time. It's straight to the point. And it was a lot of fun to do together. So if you ever do get the privilege of reading an Audible book, do it with <laughs> one of your closest friends. There was a lot of giggling. We had to stop for a lot of giggling. It's the best. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. The team that helped us do that, we just adored. It was really, really great. So we hope you enjoy it. Does mom song call work for babies with reflux? Mm, yeah, you know, there's two kinds of reflux. There's gastrointestinal reflux, which is the more traditional kind, which people sometimes also refer to as, you know, spitting up. But you can have silent spitters and happy, not so happy. The ones we treat are the not so happy ones. There's also a genitourinary reflux. And yes, mom's on call works no matter what kind of reflux your baby may have. And actually, the way that we do our feedings works with the natural rhythms of the gastrointestinal system. And that is bulk feeding, digest, rest, reset. Bulk feeding, digest, rest, reset. And we space them out far enough so that that process can be complete. And we find that it really, really is helpful feeding on a routine, letting the body know when food's going to be expected because the whole body is involved in the routine in that 24-hour day. Many processes are happening. And, um, and Moms on Call took that into account. We observed all these babies. And one of the things that I really love, we have a lot of clients who are able to come off of some of the medications after kind of regulating and settling into some of those natural rhythms. Right. Especially once we have that routine down, once they begin sleeping those longer stretches at night and get that digestive rest, then a lot of times we'll see those symptoms decrease as they get a little bit older. And, and there's different degrees of reflux too, right, Jennifer? I mean, we have some that are really, really bad and have to be treated and some that one of my first pediatricians that I ever worked for said, oh, Allison's a happy spitter and it's a laundry problem. And I just have to be honest. <laughs> I know the look on my face to him was like, oh my God, I could have killed him right at that very minute. You know, it's, it's just a laundry problem. So, you know, there are different degrees of that. But the routine, I think, is really key in helping to decrease those symptoms the best that we can. Well, and since you bring up the laundry problem, you also have that great hack about doing the biz laundry soap in a little basin. So you know those basins, if you had your baby in a hospital, they give you this basin to take home with you that had the really expensive powder and silly toothbrush in it or whatever. So you take the basin home, you put that in your laundry room, you take a little bit of the biz soap, it's the powdered kind, and water 
and soak those outfits, especially when they start eating baby foods and carrots and colored things, that you go ahead and soak that overnight and then just throw the whole thing in the wash. And it's amazing. Yeah, it works really, really well. So biz, B-I-Z, that's non-sponsored, by the way. Right. (laughs) Oh, this is a wonderful question. I love poop questions. That's your favorite. I wrote a book about poop that my kids think is so funny. It's called Super Duper Pooper. It's only available on Kindle, but it's super fun. Yeah. And then I read it to a preschool class. That was fun. They went home saying Super Duper Pooper and giggling to themselves. There's few things in life I enjoy more than that. So here's the poop question. What if my baby poops in the bathtub? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well... It does happen on occasion, and all we want to do is pick that baby up, put them over into the towel, wrap them up, rinse out that bathtub, and we just start all over again. No big deal at all. Feels like a big deal when it happens, though. What was that movie? Was it Caddyshack where the... It ended up being like a Snickers bar or something that was oh floating around in the pool, but they had like the Jaws theme going and you, yeah, and you see it. Yeah, we've all experienced that. And especially like when you're like us and you have twins and all of a sudden you're like, what is that? And you're washing the babies and you're getting everybody out really fast. And when they pee in the tub, pee is sterile. So we don't worry about that at all. But yeah, poop in the tub, that's a different story. Get them out. Start over. Easy enough. Hi, my name is Jasmine. I'm from Jacksonville, Illinois. I have two twin girls. They're 13 weeks, but they were born at 35 weeks, so they have their adjusted age. I've been doing your mom's on-call schedule with typical days, and that's working well. Besides, they're at daycare now. She feeds them the 7, 10, 1, and 4 schedule. When they come home at 5.30, they act like they're hungry, even though they just ate. So usually I'll give in and feed them again and then I feed them right before they go to bed. On a good note, they're sleeping seven hours straight at night, but they're still waking up around 3 to 4 a.m. for that feeding. Any advice would be very helpful on how to get these girls on a good schedule with daycare. Thanks. Jasmine, first of all, you are doing a magnificent job. This is not easy to get them when they, you know, are born so early and to do these feedings and to get to this point. So we just want to tell you that you are doing a fantastic thing and we're going to get you to that finish line. So there is coming a time where both of those beautiful baby girls are going to sleep all night. So we want to make sure, I know that it's so tempting at that 5.30 in the evening to kind of give them that snack feed. The issue is it tends to keep them from taking those nice full feeds at bedtime. So let's try a couple of other things before we jump to feeding. When you get home, let's use some distraction. We'll do some tummy time. Maybe we'll go for a walk around the neighborhood. Maybe they'll sit in the bouncy seats while we're getting dinner ready. But let's try some other things as distraction, knowing what is normal at this point in the day. They're really supposed to be fussy as they get out some of that energy right before those long stretches of sleep at night. And part of that energy helps them to sleep. So being able to meet that next developmental milestone by giving them tummy time when they're fussy in the evening, that's all really helpful. So it's a good perspective to have that whereas, you know, the feeding 
oftentimes kind of settles them down a little bit. We really actually want them to have some of that activity. And right now, you know, fussing is almost all they've got as they can't take a jog around the block quite yet, but we're going to get there. And you can always start their bath, you know, a little bit earlier. So you could do bath time starting as early as 6.15, 6.30, then beginning that bedtime feeding as early as 6.45 or so. One of my favorite Christmas memories was we worked together as a family to be able to provide something for a neighbor. And it was my friend Pam, her mom, Granny, who was such an important part of our lives. She helped raise my kids. Her and I raised kids together. Um, She lived down the street, and she always wanted this certain kind of recliner. And so we came up with this idea, and all of us just worked together to try and find it, exactly the one she wanted and the color she wanted. And we were beside ourselves with excitement to be able to present this to her on Christmas morning and bring it into her living room up the street. And we all knew how much she wanted it and how surprised she would be. And coming together as a family like that, just to surprise somebody, it drew us all together so much. And I will never forget how much we all enjoyed that recliner every day it sat in that living room because of the memories that, you know, all the grace it brought and the lessons it taught us and the way that it helped us to love each other. So it was really, it was one of the best of our Christmas shenanigans. And I love that. I love that you're able to kind of give, right? You gave that recliner. But when you look back on that memory, That recliner and the person that sat in that recliner gave you more than you could have ever given. As a part of the Moms on Call online classes, we put a little extra something in there for you, which are moments episodes where we get to talk to some of the people that are creating and doing things that serve and are of interest to parents of babies and toddlers. We got to talk to a really fascinating pediatric ENT, Dr. Stephen Gowdy, and he introduced us to something that we love called the NoseBot. It is a portable, rechargeable electric nasal aspirator with hospital-grade suction, and it's got this really unique nose piece design, and it's recommended by pediatricians, pediatric ENTs, and we have used it, and some of the Moms on Call team has used it, and we really, really are proud to recommend it. So you can go to www.drknowsbest.com and use offer code MOMSONCALL for $25 off the NoseBot nasal aspirator. That's www.drnozebest.com with offer code MOMSONCALL. Now you should always consult your healthcare provider concerning when and how often to use this nasal aspiration and pop on over to your Moms on Call online class and you can also watch the Moments episode where we interview the creator of the NoseBot. Our friends at Mission Mighty Me have been making it deliciously simple to include peanuts in baby's diet. As the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends with their proactive peanut puffs. And now they've made it super simple to include tree nuts too. 
with their proactive nut butter puffs with peanuts and tree nuts. They turn peanuts, almonds, cashews, hazelnuts, and walnuts into a yummy quick-dissolve puff that melts in little mouths. Mighty Me Puffs are a safe and delicious way to follow new feeding recommendations for introducing common food allergens to babies and toddlers. And keeping them in the diet regularly and Mission Mighty Me was founded by the very pediatric allergist whose research formed the new guidelines. How cool is that? Proactive puffs from Mission Mighty Me make it deliciously simple to feed your little one peanuts and tree nuts. And big kids love them too. Visit MissionMightyMe.com to learn more and use Mom's on Call 20 for 20% off your first order. Hi, this is Christine. Um, I love your book. It's helped us so much. Uh, I have a question. So my baby is seven weeks old and... He's doing great. Um, He's sleeping at 9 to about 5 in the morning. And I wanted to know how we go about the day when he wakes up at 5, knowing that we would feed him at 5 and then he would have another feeding at 7. And it just seems so close. I don't know how we can adjust the schedule where he would take a good feeding at 7 or if he doesn't need to because the stretch from, let's say, like 5 to Nine is quite long, so I'd love to to get your advice on that. Thank you. Hey, Christine. Well, this is a great question, and we all find ourselves in this situation. Seven weeks of age and healthy. If staying up about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, go ahead and move to that eight to 16-week routine now. That will help solve a lot of these issues. And when we get up for that first feed, if it's 5 a.m. or later, You can actually do half a feed or half the time, so half the amount or half the time. But we do want that consistent start point of the day at 7 a.m. And I love to say, be intentional. Open the blinds, sing a song, do some stretches, and just feed whatever they will take at 7 And then by 10 o'clock, things are right back on track. The most important thing, and the reason we don't adjust the routine according to when they're getting up, because that 5 a.m. feed's not going to be there very long. This is gradually going to go away, and we need that consistency from day to day. Okay, Laura, we have been asked this question so many times, and I'm so glad to have it so succinctly. And the question is, When can I expect my baby to sleep through the night? Now, if you ask this question elsewhere other than mom's on call, you may get all kinds of assorted answers, but we're going to give you the mom's on call answer. That's right. And I love that question. And because I think that, you know, sometimes people say, oh, well, mom's on call says babies can sleep through the night at two weeks of age. And that's just not true or realistic. What we do say is that once they're two weeks of age and past their birth weight and healthy, then we move to on-demand feedings at night, which means they let us know when they want to eat in the middle of the night. So the answer to that question is we typically expect them to sleep through the night consistently somewhere between 10 and 12 weeks of age. So I always like to say, you know, around two to four weeks of age, you're probably feeding once or twice in the middle of the night. 
between four and eight weeks of age, you have more one feed nights than not. We still have an occasional two feed nights. And those are the nights we're like, really? Well, you wonder, you're like, am I going backwards? Is this just (laughs) all of a sudden I'm never going to sleep again? (laughs) Ever, ever. Then between eight and 10 weeks of age, we're still feeding probably once in the middle of the night, most nights, but we get a bonus night of no feeds. And we're like, wait, what happened? We can't believe it. You go in to make sure the baby is breathing. This is what we all do. This is what everyone does. Our hearts just beat out of our chest. And then typically that's more consistent between that 10 to 12 weeks. Not that we won't have an occasional rough night. We'll still have some rough nights there. But typically we can expect that in healthy babies that are gaining weight appropriately, somewhere consistently starting between that 10 and 12 week mark. And if you listen to this podcast, you can hear all the people calling in (laughs) that say, my baby sleeps 11 hours, 12 hours. We love it. We love it. We can say that with confidence just because here we are 27 years later (laughs) and just hearing it over and over again. And it thrills us. Well, if my baby's five months old, do I buy the zero to six month book? Or the six to 15 month book? I love questions that have such easy, succinct answers. The six to 15 month book. So when Laura and I were writing these, we thought (laughs) we talked about this and, you know, who's going to get what book at what time. So some people just don't find out about us until a little bit later. So what we do is we added that four to six month routine in the six to 15 month book. So everything that you need, just in case you, you know, are at that four to six month mark and you're just starting with moms on call, you'll get everything you need in the six to 15 month. Now it's never wrong to have any of the resources, online classes and whatnot, but that's a great question. And yes, if your baby is five months old, six to 15 month book is most definitely the one. And the same goes for the toddler book. If you have a child that's somewhere between 13 and 15 months old, go ahead and get the toddler book. We accommodated that when we were writing them. Can I so make my own baby food? If you are Laura Hunter, you can most certainly make the most delicious baby food of all time. And if you have not gone over to the online classes and watched us being goofy in the kitchen and just learning so many different things about tastes and textures and how to make these different baby foods and what they mean when they say pureed versus What Laura came up with, which I love, is fork mushed and when to introduce all those things. You really need to pop over. We have so much fun in the kitchen together. But yes, absolutely, you can make your own baby food. It's super time consuming, but it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And as we kind of gradually increase those textures and, you know, expand what they're exposed to and varieties of foods... We want them eating what the family's eating anyway. So we'll get there uh, and we'll just do it gradually. I like to make a big old roasted pan of different veggies. So I'll have some for several days. Go check it out. Hey, Moms on Call. My name is Kathy. I am a mom, but I am recently a grandma and I am watching my grandson full time. He is going to be four months old on August 7th. And he refuses to take a bottle. And mom went back to work a week ago, and we have tried every bottle there is. 
spoke with the pediatrician twice, spoke with lactation consultants. All they told us is try this bottle, try that bottle, try this nipple, try the preemie nipple, try the fast flow nipple. Now we've just ordered like a neonatal wire that attaches to your finger so the baby would suck on your finger. Do you have any idea, any clue of what we can do to get this baby to take a bottle? Mom's been pumping. She's been running home at her lunch hour trying to nurse him. Uh, We started him on a little bit of cereal, so that's helping part of the day. He gets through a couple hours, but he needs to drink. And I just, I don't, I'm at a loss. I thought mom was being a little over the top saying, oh, he won't take a bottle. He won't take a bottle. And I said, ah, when I get there, he'll take a bottle. Not a problem. Well, we have a problem. So any advice you have, thank you. Kathy, we do. You know, this is one of the things that our consultants do in their personalized consultations. So when we're having a struggle and when everybody, the whole community and mom and grandma and the pediatrician, everybody, you know, is doing everything that they feel like they can to solve this problem, we'll walk with you. We have solved this before and our consultants are amazing, but it's kind of something that's better to walk with you on a day-to-day basis. So we're checking in, so we're checking the number of ounces and we make sure that we are as successful and safe as possible as we help you sort this out. You have called the right place. We love grandmas and thank you for stepping into that situation and trying your best to try and get this little ones to, to eat. And we do. The reality is this little one has to take a bottle. Mom has to work, so we've got to figure that out. The best advice right now while we wait for that consultant to get to you is to make sure that we're staying as consistent as we possibly can with the times of those feedings, how long we fight to try to get them to eat, making sure that we're feeding sitting straight up will sometimes help as well. Yes, you've tried every single bottle out there, and we know that that is so frustrating. Just make sure that we have tried at least the Nook First Essentials 4-plus month silicone and the latex version. Try both of those. If you haven't, make sure you grab those. It's one more that you have to get, but it is worth a shot to try and do. We've also seen these babies take to sippy cups a little bit better as well. So um, you may can also try a sippy cup here for these first couple of weeks during this transition. But give us a call, email in to the website, and let's try to get you connected and get some personalized support to help walk that out. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit momsoncall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. Thank you for listening to the first season of the Moms on Call podcast. We can't wait to see you with all new episodes starting January 3rd.